everyone, this is Clatu. I'm um, last day of Ohio Linux Fest, and I'm sitting down with Jared Smith, the uh, current project leader of Fedora. Hey, Jared, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Pretty good. Fedora 15 is looking really, really nice with uh, GNOME 3. What kind of uh, feedback have you been getting on that? What do you think of it? I think the Fedora 15 release was was a, a good, solid release. Obviously, the, you know, like any release, when you when you change some things, that there's there's some pushback, and there's some, uh, you know, there's there's some people that like the changes, and some people that don't like the changes, and there's some things that um, need a little polish and and clean up. And so we're, we're working on on Fedora 16 right now, and obviously on the, on the GNOME front, it'll have GNOME 3.2 which will have some of the newer features and some of the features that they just didn't have done in time for GNOME 3.0. But we're working on a number of other things as well to make it a, a good, solid release. But overall, I'm very happy with the way that Fedora 15 turned out. Yeah, me too. I mean, I've, I've been playing around with the... I, I run the KDE version on my laptop, but I've been playing around with the GNOME version. I mean, I have to say that one of the things that I sometimes keep saying is that GNOME 3 kind of out... out OS 10, the latest OS 10 release, because I saw literally Fedora 15 GNOME 3, and I was like, wow, this is really nice. And then my school got a new OS 10 computer with Lion on it, and I was like, that's it? It just felt like really like not yeah, the, big, the, you know? It was like, the, the GNOME 3 uh, release obviously had a lot of polish to it. It looked yeah, really slick. Yeah. You know, functionality-wise, there's a few things that that, uh, that that were missing from it, and I think the GNOME team is working hard on that for, for GNOME 3.2, but, but overall, it's, it's a very usable desktop. It's, it's different than GNOME 2, obviously, and so we have to set that expectation appropriately mm-hmm. that, that if, if people are expecting this to be like GNOME 2, it's not. Yeah. But but if you take the time to get used to it and, and play around, I find it very easy to, to get around in GNOME 3. The keyboard shortcuts make it a huge time saver for me. That's um, cool. It's unobtrusive. It stays out of your way. Nice. doesn't distract you with a lot of things blinking in the, in the taskbar. And those sorts. Yeah. I, I, I quite like it. So I don't actually, I mean, I know it's been fairly recent, I think, but I mean, how long have you been the project leader now? I've been the project leader since July of last year, so a little over a year now. Oh, okay. Okay, all right. What exactly, and I probably have asked Paul this before, probably people have asked Max that before, but what does a project leader do? Like, what, what do you do as the project manager or whatever? The project leader is an interesting role because you have, you're ultimately responsible for everything that happens in Fedora. Right. At the same time, you don't have a whole lot of power to, to direct you. You don't have people reporting to you. You don't right. have. You, know, you can't just go out and say, "This is what we're going to do," and, and now go do it. Um, really, it's a role trying to lead the community um, through um, communication and increasing the communication within our community. We work hard to try to do coordination between the different groups, whether they're special interest groups or release engineering or the engineering steering committee or the ambassador steering committee or yeah. design or documentation or translation, right. all those sorts of things. It's 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 getting those. Those those pieces communicating and working together, um, and it's keeping on schedule. And then it's also dealing with um, personnel issues, conflicts, right. um, trying to help make sure that. You mean that there are con- personality conflicts there in are, open source? There are personality conflicts. Anytime you get a bunch of smart people together, you're going to have differences of opinion, and yeah. you're going to have people with, with less than perfect social skills, and yes, there are <laughs> conflicts, but we do our best to try to resolve those in an amicable manner, and, and try to keep focused on, on what's right, not necessarily who's right, and I think that's important. What do you see as the method of communication? Like, what's the, what's the answer to that? Like, how is that, how is improving communication done, in your view, um, so far? There's, there's several things you can do. First of all, it's helping the people get to know each other outside of just a mailing list or an IRC channel. Uh-huh. I found that when you're arguing technical details with someone over something like IRC or yeah. mailing list, it's not always ideal conditions for getting getting to 
you know, establish a, some sort of a relationship of trust with, with yeah. that other person. Yeah. And sometimes getting to know that person either in, in an in-face setting or in a, in a you know, kind of wide, wide band setting really helps that. Sometimes it's as simple as a phone call. There's, yeah. there's inflection. There's, there's things you get from either an in-face conversation with someone or a, a phone conversation with someone that you don't get over IRC. Or, yeah. you know. That being said, it's not always easy to get all the, all the people in the same physical location. Sure. And so there's other things that we're doing within the Fedora community to try to increase the signal-to-noise ratio, so to speak, on, on things like IRC or mailing lists. We've put in, in place over the past year a code of conduct, which should be self-explanatory, but, you know, a, a set of guidelines, these are, these are the sorts of things we expect from people participating in the project. Treat each other civilly, ask questions, be, you know, those sorts of things. Give the benefit of the doubt. You give the benefit kind of, of the doubt. Yeah. You don't, 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 don't question other people's motives. Yeah. You know, those sorts of things that, uh, that, that help facilitate communications. Um, yeah. And and then the other thing is just making sure that everybody understands that we want the communication in Fedora. We want people to be able to voice their opinion, but we want the, them to do it in a specific manner. We want meetings to be transparent and open. We want it to be clear when decisions are made. Who made the decision? Why was it made? What was the what was the the data leading up to that decision? Those well, sorts of things. I mean, that's always been one of the things that I really really like about Fedora. It's like any whenever a decision is made, it's always it always feels like it is a community decision. I mean, I know there's always going to be a minority and a majority of, of people on one side of an issue, but it, it's always in contrast to other distributions that I might not mention. Um, it seems like Fedora really, really oh. get, gets the community, or it is built from the community. We, 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 we really try to do, you know, yeah. have that transparency in everything we do. Now that yeah. means that sometimes it's not the most efficient way possible to make a decision, and, right. and sometimes it takes entirely too long to make a decision. But I would personally, I would rather err on the side of taking a little bit longer, taking a little bit more time to get community input rather than just making a quick decision. But you know, it's always it's always that balancing act. We could we could d- debate a, a topic for years and years and never come to a consensus, right, but we always yeah. try to try to make sure that, that, that people that, that are interested and are following along have the chance to, to make their, their opinion known before the decision gets One of the things that, I mean, I know I'm really, really guilty of is that like, something will go up for a vote, literally a vote, then you can go to the site and you can vote on something, and you know, I put it off and I put it off, and then it ends and it gets voted on, and I'm like, well, it kind of underscores the idea that if you don't participate, your, your voice isn't heard. So right. I remember it's it's gotten a lot easier logistically to sign up to be a part of the Fedora community. You know, you <laughs> upload your G, uh, SSH key, uh, public key, stuff like that. What about like just drawing new people, even more new people, into being really a part of the process rather than just kind of being users? Yeah, well, that's something we focused a lot on over the past year. Um, obviously, even signing up to be a, 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 it's a, 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 a member of the, the Fedora process. So you, don't, you no longer have to generate a public key and upload yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, we our, our websites team, late last year and early this year, spent a lot of time revamping the Fedora project. Yeah. Uh, website cool. to make it really appeal to people who don't know what Fedora is and are really right. starting out. What is Fedora? How do I get started? How yep. do I figure out where within Fedora I fit? You know, am I a people person? Do I do I want to become an ambassador? Am I right. a writer? Yeah. I want to become part of the documentation team. Am I going to be a packager? Am I, am I a technical person? I'm trying to help those people get their first steps within the community. Obviously, we have more more steps to do. I mean, one of my focuses for this next uh, upcoming year is to increase mentorship within the, the project. Help people think about it's not just about who we have 
have in the project here today. But how can we take the people who are kind of on the on on the outskirts of the project, who would who would be willing to help and, and want to help and have that ambition to help, but they just need to, to get up to speed in the tools and the techniques right. and the workflows and the process. So if you know have. you're a good writer mm-hmm. and you know you can communicate well, but you don't know publican, then maybe right. there's like maybe you don't have to like wait until you teach yourself publican. Exactly. You probably like, yeah. And, and, and unfortunately, I've seen so many people. You talk about the doc side of things. So many people come in and say, "Hey, I want to be a writer," and we say, "Yeah, start writing." And they're like, "Well, I don't understand the tools, and, yeah. and I don't understand doc book and XML and those yeah. sort of things." And my answer is always, "Don't worry about that. Don't worry about the mechanics. Just go write. Write yeah. in the text editor. Don't let the tools and the process get That's in the cool. way of your contributions. We'll help you with the tagging and, oh, and the great. conversion yeah. and those sorts of things." Well, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a typically expected answer. Right. I, I would not expect that if I went into Fedora IRC and said that. I don't think that's what I would mm-hmm. expect. And so, so that's so, nice. So there's there's things like that we can do to help people say just just dive in and start. Do your best. Yeah. Doesn't have to be perfect. We're not going to mock you for for trying. You know. Yeah. But get, go in and do something, and then we'll help you. We'll we'll help you get up to speed in the tools and the processes and the workflow. Very cool. Okay. Well, so stepping back, how did you get involved with Fedora yourself? Like, what's your background? Well, I've I've been a long time Linux user. Okay. Uh, I started with with Red Hat 4.2, and oh, I've been okay. using Linux for ever since. When Fedora got started, I, I was always a user of Fedora. I would always sign. I was always a member of the the test list, and mm-hmm. whenever a, you know a beta would come out, I would download and install it and try yeah. it out and try to help help triage bugs and that sort of thing. But oh, I didn't cool. really take an active an active role in in being a, a contributor to Fedora. You tell about the oh Fedora six time frame right around there, and that's when I really got it. I, I was doing some some writing and doc book for for other things, and so I joined the Fedora Box oh, nice. project, and that's that's how I got my start. I write write some things, and more than writing, I was doing a lot of helping with the tools and conversions and kind of the back end dirty work that yeah. that needs to be done, but isn't always out there in public limelight. So I helped out with that, and then uh, a couple of years ago. Because of some of the voice over IP work I was doing, I helped set up a voice over IP server within within Fedora called Fedora Talk. Fedora Talk is that you? So I I, I used set to up use that. that for um, I would go into those rooms and use them for quick uh, interviews uh, with people. Like mm-hmm. I would record the so call. Jeff Ollie and I went. Uh, cool. Went All right. Up, you know. Thanks. I, it's gone now. It's gone now, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, but that was something you know we we both worked on and helped set up. And, cool. and, and about that time, I started paying more attention. Um, when Paul Freels became the, the Fedora project leader, he was in my local lug. Ah, and we okay. were good friends. So. Okay, so we cool. started talking a lot more about the mechanics of, of what happens in, inside of Fedora, and I yeah. started attending more FUDCons and that sort of thing, and really okay. became a Fedora contributor more than just an, an end user. I take my experience of, of being you know, kind of a user, slowly became a contributor, slowly got more up to speed in what was happening, and, yeah. and wanted to contribute more, and I think other people should have that, that same sort of experience. Yeah. It's always exciting to me to see people go through that same transition. Yeah. For me, and you probably felt the same way when you were doing it, I mean, like, when you start getting more involved with the project, and you you realize that you can be more than just a user and you're like wow you mean I can really actually make a difference in the software that I use anyway and love anyway and yet I'm also now like you know you feel like you're built well you are building it even though you're not like a programmer you know? yeah, so yeah. It, I, it feels you know, cool I, I'm not responsible for every single bit and byte that goes out right on the CD, yeah but at the yeah. same time I have a chance to make a difference in the world yeah it's yeah. very rewarding it's crazy can you tell me a little bit about FUDCON what is it where does it happen why does it happen sure so FUDCON is the Fedora Users and Developers Conference kind of a name on the, the uh, you know, FUD if you're uncertain yeah, being in doubt but we have a FUDCON four times a year so once each year in North America, once in Latin America, once in Europe, Middle East, Africa area, and once in the Asia Pacific region. So we've got several FUDCONs coming up. And the next one is in Milan, Italy, in the beginning of October. So that will cover our European region. We've got one coming up in November. 
in uh, Pune, India. So uh, that covers our Asia-Pacific region. And then our North American Con is coming up the middle of January, the 13th through the 15th of January okay. in Blacksburg, Virginia on the, on the Virginia Tech campus. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, what happens there? Is it just basically like a Linux fest, or is it it's more of like a... I guess it's got to be more of a planning thing, right? It's a little bit of everything. Usually the, the FUDCon has about half of... Uh, half of it is about... A, maybe a little bit more than half. Is a bar camp style. Ah, um, okay. You know, talks. People people show up the first day, they present... They, they, they stand up and propose, say, I want to do a presentation on, on documentation, or I want to do a presentation yeah. on packaging, or I want to do a presentation on robots, or, you know, whatever yeah, whatever they're whatever passionate about. And then we vote on those in bar camp sessions. About the thing that people want to hear about. The other half of FUDCON is usually a set of hack fests and planning meetings oh, okay. and people who are who are passionate about a particular topic get together and say, hey, what can we do to make things better for the next six months or the next year or the next release? And then there's a lot of informal meetings as well. People getting together with people you know that they've t- chat- chatted with, with on IRC or yeah. emailed back yeah. and forth, but yeah, sure. getting to know people better and having a good time. We usually have an event we call FUD Pub, which is usually a dinner and, and drinks and get together and you know, sometimes cool. shoot pool or go bowling or yeah. things like that just to, to build those social relationships as well. Yeah, well, like you say, which is important, so that the next time you think something is a horrible idea, you don't end up flaming the person, because, right. oh, now it's a real person. It's a, re- met, it's a real know? person. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah, I'll, I'm going to probably try to get down to the, the one this, this January in Virginia. Last but not least, what what's upcoming in the next release? What are the big, exciting ideas they've got? I mean, I know 16 is just an alpha right now, so it might be pretty early, but... Well, we still have a, pr- we have a pretty good idea of, of okay. new features going into Fedora 16. On the kind of desktop front... Um, um, updated version of GNOME will have right. the, the GNOME 3.2 stack, but updated version of KDE as well. Sure. Um, so we, you know, try to keep keep track of the, the desktops there. Yeah. Um, from kind of the internal plumbing kind of stuff. Um, with Fedora 15, we went to the System D um, initialization oh, system, okay. yeah. but we were using it in kind of compatibility mode, where it was okay. still using System 5 style initialization scripts. Okay. Um, we slowly started moving all those initialization scripts over to be, being native System D. So I have I have a quick question about that. I guess. I sure. Mean, is that going to change the way on the rail boxes at work that I like? Like, if that was to, well, I guess it wouldn't change anything on rail because that's not switching to system D, but yet. Um, but would, let's say I have a Fedora server or something, would that change the way that I would like start and stop services and stuff? Or is it. Um, you can still use it if you're used to saying like service, service such and HTTP such, start, stop, or start. Or start. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you can still do that. And check config is still um, check valid. Check config is, is, is just still va- valid, but you can actually use the native system D tools to get a little more fine grained control of that. One example is is in, in the System 5 initialization system that we were using before. You had run level 3 and you had yeah. run level 5. Yeah, right. With System D, you have a much more flexibility. You can say, oh, I have a network target, I have a graphical target, and you can define your own targets nice. and saying these, to- these targets... Have, have dependencies on these particular services, okay, and so instead you. of just numbering them to get them to come up in order, right, yeah. or or saying you know these the, the, the static run levels, yeah. we can actually have targets that are very flexible. That's pretty. Cool. And instead of saying oh they have to come up in this set order, they can say hey this one depends on this one, and so it's dependency. It's really dependency resolution, kind of like we do cool. with packages, yeah. but with our with our startup scripts. That's, that's amazing. Sort of There's lots of other uh, you know, interesting things you can do with System D, but uh, yeah. it's probably a little more advanced. Right. Than you want yeah. To dive into yeah. It. Interview there, uh, sounds really exciting, uh-huh. uh, and thanks for thanks for talking to me. It was good to meet you in yeah. person. You too. Cool. Thank you. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HPR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast. 
then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All BinRev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.